The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. John E. Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money, managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you create better financial habits, envision your long-term goals, and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of John E. Sistina and Company are on deck to show you the way. Thank you for joining the Managing to Be Wealthy podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Bennett. Joining me today are certified financial planners, Stephen Lucan and Craig Konstantinovich. And today's topic is navigating financial planning for aging parents. Um, this is a great subject. I think many of us um, have already gone through this. Having an aging parent can bring some pretty tough challenges, both emotionally and financially. Um, what are the impact of being an advocate? You know, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. So, um, as we get started, uh, we want to first understand the financial landscape um, and that, you know, I'm going to hand it off to you guys, but, you know, you're going to want to communicate with family. You know, when do you do that, Stephen? What's the first step? Well, obviously, the communication is is uh, an organization is probably the most important thing from that aspect. The financial aspect is knowing where your assets are, who's managing the assets, who, what banks are you using, and so forth. So organization is probably the first step in making sure everything is organized and knowing where everything is. In my experience, um, get a little personal here just by choice, but it, it before you can get organized, it, there are some emotional conversations that sometimes with some folks you have to have. Um, so nobody prepares you for this stage of life. Honestly, I say this all right. the time. You, you mean it could be invasive, right? Yeah, Over exactly. Crossing boundaries you've never crossed before. Right. That's yeah, hard. Right. So you've got to be prepared for that. Um, and maybe do a little research through the Department of Aging on how to have these conversations, I would I would say, right? It can certainly help. But I mean, really, it comes down to knowing the people that are involved. I mean, I always joke and say that, you know, I I was always raised to not talk about money is rude and impolite to talk about money and don't talk to strangers. Well, right. now I make a living off of talking <laughs> to strangers about money. So shows how well I listen. Um, but when it comes down to it, it, it really is all about kind of that open transparency, understanding it. Um, you know, my mother right now, I'll put her on the spot here willingly or not, but she, uh, she has a separate advisor. We always go back and forth, making sure that she has the best recommendations possible, but knowing what we do day to day and how we go about things, the first thing that I told her is, I don't care where your money's at. I don't care who's managing it. I don't care if you've got 50 banks that you work with or if you've got two. I just need to know who to contact. So if you can give me that short list and just make sure it's updated, that way, God forbid, you're traveling to Europe, you're going down to Florida, you're flying, flying out to California, you know, and God forbid the worst of the worst happens, at least I know who to contact and who to kind of direct me. Thankfully, I have a little bit of guidance and a little bit of understanding of what needs to be done, but I would much rather have that short list, that information, because that at least helps facilitate the conversation, because likely the attorney doesn't necessarily care or may not necessarily have the most up-to-date information. So I'm kind of that first reporter of, hey, I confirmed these accounts are what are active right now. 
what do I need to do or what do I need to make sure is done to make sure that her wishes are carried out accordingly, given her estate plan and given her final wishes. And some people have a professional team already in place and many don't. So, Stephen, what's the first step a parent takes uh, when and at what age do you start thinking about this from the parent's perspective? Do I need to get my legal team together from my offspring or my legacy point person? Yeah, well, as Craig's pointing, yeah, now, here and now, it, it, yesterday is, is day one, right? Yep. So you should have started yesterday. It doesn't matter what age you are. It could be 30 years old or 90 years old. That's organization, data collection, knowing where all your information is, is step one at whatever point, point in life you're at when building a financial plan. Mm-hmm. So yesterday was the start, should have been the start. Yeah. And again, they don't need to know all of the information, but even just having open lines of communication, that's what's going to help facilitate everything that needs to be done. And I know my conversation or my points are more so pointed towards kind of end of life. But even if there is the diagnosis of dementia, if there is that kind of worry that maybe they aren't making the most sound decisions, the sooner that you know who to contact, who to get involved, and how to take the next steps, the better off you're going to be in every facet of life. So being proactive is critical, too, as well uh, mm-hmm. as the utilitarian aspect of it. When does the term uh, diminished capacity come into the conversation? I mean, let's talk about what that even means. Yeah. In early, earlier on, pre-aging, I would say even in your 60s, you have to start to think about diminished capacity because, again, as Craig said, you don't want to be reactionary. Mm-hmm. You got to set this up in advance, just like your estate plan is f- know who in your life are important or responsible enough to, if something happens to you, can slide in. And diminished capacity is if you do have uh, maybe some, uh, you know, mental capacity issues, and a medical event that affects your ability to communicate or comprehend certain situations. So you have to have that backed up. And there are written documents that you can appoint someone to step in in the event that you're not at 100%. Well, and, and let's take it a step further. I mean, I'm, I would argue my wife sometimes says when I forget something at the grocery <laughs> store, I've got diminished capacity. So <laughs> the same problem. <laughs> so I don't know that we're going necessarily that far. But yeah, when, when all of a sudden there becomes a unexpected habit, an unexpected pattern of requests, when there are certain instances where, you know, let's say we're asking for a large distribution. I know that's not necessarily a number, but, you know, uh, comparatively speaking, at least, let's say it's a fifth of your assets and there wasn't a plan in place before of, oh, I'm going to request this for this particular purchase or I'm going to need this money for this specific phase of life. If all of a sudden we're starting to get a sense of, well, maybe something's not quite right. Maybe we're hearing the same question that's been asked two or three times and it's not necessarily joked about or it's not identified of, yeah, I asked this question last time, but I want to revisit it. There are subtle patterns where maybe you do start to sense that there is some diminished capacity. And that's where now the big contact or the big um, phrase in our industry is a trusted contact have that person where, hey, I was talking to mom and dad, aunt and uncle, cousin, friend, whoever it may be, but they asked something that didn't sit right with me. Mm -hmm. Has everything been seeming okay at home or is everything on the right path? Not giving them the full details or the full diatribe, but just saying, hey, is there something that you may be seeing day to day that me sitting down with them maybe once a month, once a quarter, once a year doesn't necessarily seem traditional or normal for them, 
now all of a sudden that's kind of that spark to say, well, let's make sure everything's going well outside of what we may sit down and chat about for 15, 20, 30 minutes at a time. And that's when you start to bring the conversation to the experts, the mm-hmm. different kinds of experts in the industry, not just your advisor, but your doctors and your, you know, the Department of Aging, maybe some, you know, there's a lot of really great resources to tap into to get, to get questions answered. Uh, let's talk about long-term care and health care um, outside of insurance. You know, r- let's explain what long-term care looks like. Um, you're in this big house. You can't cut the grass anymore. I mean, because there's varying degrees of what this looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, is that long-term care? No. You know, I can't cut my grass anymore. Nope. That you is know? not long-term care. What does that, that mean? Let's that right it. there, that may be more of the diminished capacity side of things, but that's not long-term care. That's just aging at that point. When we're talking about long-term care, it's not being able to perform the activities of daily living. So things like toileting, clothing, bathing, feeding, some of those kind of traditional things that we focus on to be able to live at least a suitable lifestyle. If you're not able to perform those on your own or without assistance, that's when you need to start thinking about long-term care planning, whether that be insurance, whether that be asking family members to help, whether that be maybe moving into a facility of some sorts. It's when you can't function on your own to the extent where you can truly make sure that you are properly getting hygiene, that you're making sure that everything is taken care of, and that you're not necessarily becoming a nuisance to anyone. And Stephen, what are some of the options if we can tell people for financing these kinds of expenses? There's, yeah. there's, there's a couple different options. One is self-funding through mm-hmm. your savings over your lifetime that you're able to afford and pay for your own health care and, and whatever needs you have in, later in life. And then there's obviously insurance products. And as Craig explained, it's, it's, a, it's disability for when you no longer have earned income. You're, you're deemed disabled. So you're unable to, uh, perform your, those daily living, uh, rituals. So you may qualify for a long-term care insurance claim, but you have to have a long-term care insurance policy. Yep. And that, that is where you earlier on in life, you want to consider that. Maybe in your 50s or early 60s, consider long-term care insurance. What does it look like? What benefits will be provided? And we can have a whole separate podcast on that, which Absolutely. we probably will. Uh, we're already done. So there's a lot of ways <laughs> to go about it. But you can either self-fund or there are insurance policies to help pay for those needs. Well, and, and the other piece, too, because this is one question we get all the time is, well, how do I make myself Medicaid eligible? Yeah. And that that's a whole slippery slope to your point, a whole nother podcast that we could do on that. But that is an option. It is very cumbersome. It is very detail oriented. If you're going to go that route, you absolutely need to consult an elder care attorney to know what pitfalls may be out there, what kind of gotchas may be there. But absolutely, that's another broad topic that's discussed. Um, but it's not necessarily as favorable as some people may project it to be. So be very leery when you hear that. But you can use your other assets, too. One of the biggest assets that most people neglect to consider as they're looking at long-term care expenses is the equity that you've accumulated within your home over the years. That could be another bucket of money, depending on what your living arrangements are, what the situation is. If you have a spouse as well that may not need care, there's other options even on top of just using the portfolio or using an insurance product that should definitely be considered. 
And let's not forget for those who have served or who have spouses who have served, the Veterans Administration is also a, a good resource to tap into, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, let's talk about aging in place. You know, what does that mean? Well, I, from the parental side, right, you're aging in place, but I always look at it from the dependent side, the, the younger generation or the people caring for you is safety, mm-hmm. right? That's the number one thing I worry about is the safety of my parents or people who are older. How safe are they in their own house? And you have stairs, right? Or what is there? Where's the washing machine? Those are things that need to be considered earlier on that can you, will will you be able to function later in life with these? So I I try to stimulate that conversation. Think about it when you're younger, because you change is hard for all of us. It's even harder the older Mm -hmm. you get, especially in some place you've lived for 20, 30, 40 years. Now you can be uprooted. Most people dig their heels in. And that could be a bit of a, a touchy subject, but I always consider, I look at safety as the number one concern. And there's a lot of tools out there. Uh, the lovely Alexa, right? You could call 911. <laughs> yep. It's verbal. Mm-hmm. I had a client say, well, I have my phone with me. I'm like, you don't have your phone with you all the time. Great in your idea. house, Right. You fall down. You're alone. I especially concerned for people who are single living alone. So I always say that's a good little device. Call 911. Um Cameras, it's a little too uh, maybe invasive uh, mm-hmm. privacy, but put it on the floor. So parent, if it's triggered by movement to the kids. So there's a lot of new modern technology that can help aging in place. But I always look at safety as the number one thing. Right. And to piggyback off that, in my mind, the biggest piece of aging in place really is getting that first form of independence out of the way and not having that be teasing you or tempting you at that point. When do you all of a sudden pull the keys from someone? It's hard. That, that's the hardest conversation. That is the most difficult thing to do. But if you're going to age in place, you've got to be able to limit your risk exposures. And getting behind the wheel of a vehicle is normally the most dangerous thing that someone that is aging in place could factor in. So it is one of those things where right now, at least, I start to preemptively talk about it. Maybe it's not the best time, but it certainly seems to hit home is as soon as you reach retirement when is that time going to come? What kind of situations are you going to have come up where you're going to consider giving up your keys as opposed to having someone take them from you? Because in my mind, that always seems to be the most difficult conversation is, well, sorry, mom, dad, whomever, you can't drive anymore. You can stay here fine, but you can't drive anymore. Right. And who do you just say that? Right. You can't. Yeah. Right. And they, they exactly. perceived usually is a, it's a pretty hard conversation to have. And um, you have to be self-aware. And most of us, as much as we think we are, when we get older, we get no, we're going to be just. Oh, as, we're just as stubborn. Yeah, exactly. Stubborn. We're, it's easier said than done. Yeah. No, I mean, that's I, I empathize. I'm I'm kind of listening and I've lived this before a couple of times with my folks and. The open communication is really a critical component, compassionate conversation with mm-hmm. your parent, empathy. I mean, you can't teach yeah. empathy, but if you can let yourself understand what they might be going through, it's going to help you ease into those conversations with them. And and we know there's no perfect answer here, so, and we're not attorneys, you know, but how do you choose somebody, you know, to be a point person, to be your advocate? Let's talk about, you know, family communication and support. Yeah, yeah. I was going to go. I was going to jump in on it. Step in and pay the bills, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the self advocate. It all comes down to kind of where things are at and what level of care is needed. Kind of what the dynamic is with the family. Those kind of things. So again, using myself as the example, 
I always joke with my mom who moved down to South Carolina and my brother moved down there and is literally three streets away. I said, I can help out with the finance side of things. I can help manage the books, make sure that everything's where it needs to be. But if you want to make sure that you're getting the care that you need, if you want to make sure that someone's there to check in on you, I'm not driving 12 hours just to make sure, hey, mom, are you okay? Obviously, I'm going to come down and visit just like I would any other time, but I can't be there day to day. So in that example, we have kind of the day-to-day care put in his court. I've got managing the finances, and then my other brother's basically in reserve for, okay, well, depending on what the needs may be, what uh, should arise, those kind of things, maybe we are going to need something else that hasn't been identified yet, and he's ready to do that. So it really comes down to how can you divide and conquer, and Stephen, to your point, it's unfortunate for those people that don't have family members that are right next door or right down the street. It's difficult for those people that don't have someone that is checking in on them regularly other than just picking up the phone and calling. Sometimes we don't know something until we see it. So the more that we can use the the tools that are out there, like FaceTime, like, you know, any kind of um, actual like virtual calls where we have the camera aspect tied in, that's going to help kind of introduce us to something that we may otherwise have absolutely no idea about. So once you choose your point person to be your voice, the next step is we circle back to what Stephen was talking about is gathering data to ensure that all the right documents are in place. And, every, you know, the point person is copied on those documents. Password access is available. Uh, social media access is available. Touching all those points. We need to make sure that mom and dad's experts talk to that person. Right. I mean, is that a is that a um, one stop shop, one stop conversation? Is that something you have to evaluate ongoing? We're taking it from our end as a financial planner. That's part of the financial planning process. Mm-hmm. So for the listeners who are out there don't have a financial planner, it's harder, but you have to have trusted contacts. You have to build that. Uh, part of our discussions and conversations stem around that future, who's going to be a part of your financial plan for later in life. And you got to find some people mm-hmm. and whether other advisors or family members. Yeah. And, and, you know, to your point, Stephen, even going back to some of the estate planning documents that are out there, I mean, a healthcare power of attorney who's best equipped to make medical decisions on your behalf. If you're unable to may not necessarily be a financial planning son, if I may use myself as the example, but then a financial power of attorney. Absolutely. That may be within my wheelhouse. So it's it's reviewing your documents constantly. It's making sure that you have the proper people listed to have access to accounts if you're at that phase of life right now. It's just making sure that you've got the right team in place, whether that's family, whether that's professionals, whether it's all of them coming together. You've got to make sure that you've appointed the right people to help guide you and navigate you through this difficult time. Government programs and benefits, we kind of talked a little bit about that or hinted towards it and realizing we're generalists and not experts on some of this. Let's talk about who are the people or the organizations that people start with, i.e., you know, social worker, VA rep, Department of Aging and so forth. Where do people start? Again, it depends on how far along or how severe the need may be. I mean, it's, you know, whether it may be hospice, unfortunately, if you're at that phase of life, whether it is finding um, just someone to come in as part of a at-home nursing care unit just to kind of keep an eye on you, help keep things tidy around the house, do the work up and down the stairs that need to be done, whatever. Um, There's different groups depending on your different needs. So as as broad of a question as it may be, 
it's difficult for us to kind of pinpoint that because you have to figure out kind of what the direct need is. And then there's assistance. So the Department of Aging is absolutely a fantastic resource to kind of help guide you to, okay, if you need someone to come in and help out for a couple hours a day, if you need to all of a sudden maybe have meals delivered to you, they can help kind of point you in the right direction of, well, here's three or four different people to contact and kind of get you on that right foot. And the uh, application process can be quite grilling uh, for social security or disability or any of those veterans, veterans administration. So be prepared to take good notes and keep good records, just like with any financial planning um, situation. Um, And nobody cares more about your parent than you do. Um, You're going to notice, like Craig said, you're going to notice the nuances, the changes, uh, the little things that just don't seem right. And you got to get real with yourself and make sure that you're not, you know, sort of dismissing it. Um, and know when to seek the help of a professional. Uh, we're going to have more topics on this and other related uh, conversations uh, coming up. So we hope that you'll keep tuning in. And we hope that this was a helpful conversation for you as you navigate this to- this particular topic. Uh, thank you for joining us today. We are managing to be wealthy. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Managing to be Wealthy podcast. We help you make the most of your money without any hidden fees or commissions. Remember, the best investment you can make is in yourself and your financial future. Keep listening for more expert advice and tips. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to schedule a one-hour complimentary consultation to discuss your financial concerns. Visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com.